2: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky,
0: Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gassers, and I'm with Honky.
2: It's spring game week. We're refreshed after taking a little time off, and I'm looking forward to Redcast Rob making his way out east for the festivities this weekend. That's
0: right. That's
1: right. And also with Mac. What's up, broadcasters? It is game week in Nebraska. Super excited to overreact to uh, depth questions (laughs) and uh, running back concerns and all the all the other, you know, blissful stuff that goes along with spring, with the spring game. But either way, going to get together, watch a football game, go down see Memorial Stadium. The Haymarket should be popping, so it's going to be a good week.
0: Absolutely. Also with
3: Boomer. Well, it's just finally exciting to get into spring ball and some great news on that front that uh, we're finally getting uh, Australian rules football back on TV here in the United States. So we can all look forward to honky's breakdown of the upcoming uh, St. Kilda Hawthorne match this weekend. So on Saturday,
0: I I can't wait for that myself, Boomer. Um, But the way St. Kilda has been playing
3: this year, maybe it's best it was off TV. (laughs)
0: That's probably true. It's probably true. But uh, Honky, you're right. Spring game is coming up. Uh, that's going to be great. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the open practice that you saw a couple weekends ago. You did mention that we took some time off. We do actually have other jobs. It's amazing. I'm sure our listeners don't realize this is not a full-time gig for us. Um, but sometimes those do get in the way of recording. So we did take uh, last week off. But we're back at it. And um, it's timely because uh, Bill Moose was on the radio uh, tonight and uh is telling us that uh, he expects eight to nine wins. Uh, what do you think, Honk? I think what he
2: said was appropriate for, for what the question was. Not surprisingly, I guess, you know, Husker Twitter went nuts <laughs> a little bit after seeing eight or nine wins. I am shocked about Shocking, that. Right? You know, to be very specific, he was asked how many wins would you consider to be a success in year four for Frost? And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the first paragraph was talking about the schedule and how difficult it is. Uh, he gave plenty of credit to, Michigan, Ohio State, and having Oklahoma on the schedule. He talked about having Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northwestern. He said we haven't fared that well against Illinois and others. Uh, We have Michigan State. So he goes, we're going to have the work cut out for us. But we've got a lot better depth. We've got a lot better experience. We have a solid coaching staff and a real good feeling about the prospects of being competitive in every game this fall. And so he went on to say that he thinks it would be great to get into that eight, nine win range and start getting back into the picture of a conference championship and then talking about the postseason. And in year four, Frost, I think that's a realistic expectation. And he also talked about how important, if we're going to do all that, that we need to protect our home field. And uh, I don't think anything was uh, out of line there. I don't think he threw out any crazy numbers. And I don't think he threw out any numbers that, Mac, you and I have talked about that we think are impossible to get to.
1: Not at all. Not one bit. Um, You know, when he – back in 2019, when – you know, Adrian was going to win the Heisman, and Frost was about to go undefeated. Moose came out and kind of threw a wet blanket on all that and said, "You know, if we get to six wins that year, he'd be, he would consider that a successful year." And I remember him catching a lot of hell for that, even from the head coach. But you know, I will say this about Moose: I, he understands football. He's a football guy at his heart, and he looks at a football team and he and he looks at our opponents, and he can recognize where our deficiencies are and what we're lacking and. If he is saying eight to nine wins with the schedule that we have, that tells me that he's looking at this team a little bit differently than two years ago, which is good to me. And, and you know, back to your point, huh? what, like what's he supposed to say? You know, it's going to be a dumpster fire this year. I expect a lot of people to transfer after spring. We don't know where we're going to go with this thing. And, you know, Frost has been a humongous mistake. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going to crucify the guy about about being positive about the program. I think he's pretty level headed. He's going to catch a little hell from the Oklahoma thing. Nebraska fans aren't going to be happy with words, but I have no problem with it.
2: You know Mac, it's almost like you think maybe he's seen more than a, an open practice you know one time this offseason. maybe he right. has a little better grasp on what uh, this team looks like because Dave I mean there's a lot of people that uh, I, I went to an open practice uh, a weekend ago i I've seen the same thing that I've heard a lot of people talk about on the radio and boy they've come to a lot of conclusions that i don't I don't know that I share.
0: Apparently, the open practice, very revealing. You learn so much. Um, Very easy to train your eye to exactly Uh, what you want to learn from the open practice. And in a short amount of time, you can essentially come to pretty concrete conclusions about things like um, the quarterback room, for example. Uh, Honky, did you come to some concrete conclusions by uh, uh, sitting into the open practice uh, two Saturdays ago?
2: Yeah, watching drills. Uh, you can come to that conclusion of who is or isn't going to be a good QB right now. I, I get it. Mac, we've been going to practices dating back to the soul year. Mm-hmm. Uh We've gone to the coaches clinics. And when you go to those practices, you're on the field. Uh, you are intermixing a lot of times with the players and the coaches. You're right in the middle of drills. And then you usually get your butt up into the stadium so you can watch a two-hour scrimmage and really see things happen. Uh, you want to talk about a quarterback competition. Do you remember when Zach Taylor won it? Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely.
2: three-hour practice. There wasn't any green jerseys that particular year. I think it's probably the high point of the, the Bill Callahan era, to be 100% honest with you. But uh, we went into a practice, and Joe Daly was the returning starter, and, and he started the practice as the starter. And as a three-hour practice went on, and God knows how many plays, 150, 200 plays, Zach Taylor would go and get nailed, creamed by – Adam Carricker by Jay Moore by Lakeven Smith by Titus Adams just get creamed, but he'd get up, get into the huddle, call the next play, and then complete a three yard out. Nothing crazy, but it was just he moved the offense and they did it under a time constraint with refs. And by the end of this two hour practice scrimmage, um, Joe Daly was off in the end zone by himself. Do you remember that, Mac? He was sitting Mm -hmm. like way off, like no one was within 30 yards of him. And we're looking at each other and we go, Oh, well. Zach Taylor's the starting quarterback. Yeah. Okay. That was a conclusive practice. I mean, I walked away from that practice going, yeah, we've seen something. Well, this open practice, there's a lot of talk about Logan Smothers and not having you know perfect throws and everything. And they weren't. There were some ducks and there were some things that didn't look like perfect spirals. There were some drills. He also threw a couple of good passes for what it's worth. I'm more interested, to be quite honest with you, and what we're going to all see this Saturday uh, whether you're in the stands or whether you get to watch it on BTN or listen to it on the radio, I'm interested in seeing him in a situation, albeit it's going to be with a green Jersey. It's not the same as what I just mentioned with the Zach Taylor year, but even in a green Jersey, he can do some things where you're seeing a live defense. You're having to react and make decisions and not think so much. I, I swear, I think during that open scrimmage, it's the first time that you're in front of 3000 fans. Every fan has a phone on them. And if you throw a duck, And he sees it. He sees the same duck being thrown that that everyone else does. And everyone's going on their phone and they're all tweeting it out because we, you know, we all have this, this great information. I, I'll tell you that I love the fact that they did the open practice. I really enjoyed it, but I wouldn't read too much into anything from it, Mac.
1: It's interesting with the quarterback position too, because the, the one you mentioned about Zach Taylor, that was a big scrimmage, a big practice and kind of find who was going to start that year. I remember another one with, with uh Taylor Martinez when it was Zach mm. Lee and then Cody Green and then this third guy coming along, like who and, and watching him practice, like, man, this guy is super explosive. He gets downfield super quick when he runs. I'm like, I've never seen a guy cover ground so quickly. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, he goes ahead and takes the reins for the next season. But we're not even talking about a race for the starting quarterback. No we're talking about the backup quarterback, you know, and so it's like it's it's fun to make much ado about nothing, but I mean Absolutely. The depth of the quarterback position is a concern, but, you know, when you've got a guy like Adrian, who's already going to be taking the field to start the season with, I mean, that, that to me is a, a better feeling than trying to sort out who your quarterback is going to be period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're like, you're right in one practice, five drills or whatever. Obviously the coaches only need about two or three practices to set their depth charts. Right. Or, or, you know, Four or six to kind of decide who they actually have. I mean, it takes time for these guys to to develop and learn and and get the nuances of the of the position, particularly a quarterback. And people have to remember, Logan was robbed of all of that last year. He didn't get any time of that. He came in a little bit hurt. Spring ball was taken from. Him. Fall ball was it was a chaotic mess. Not to mention the whole Luke McCaffrey trying to figure out how we're going to use this guy. So I, I just I don't put a lot of credence into what people are seeing or the or the negative comments that you've seen. Um, on Twitter about what Logan's passing looks like, or, you know, Harburg probably makes it a little bit difficult because he kind of did impress, but it's, it's still irrelevant. I'm like, when the, when the bolts start flying, we'll see who's going to play. But ideally I'd like to see neither of them play a single snap all year long.
2: Well, or, you know, play once we've gotten out of hand, an early game, right. You know, you want to get those guys, some, some backup snaps in that sense. Harburg physically, he is a big kid and he physically looks very impressive, And he has a nice zip. The ball comes off his hands really nice. But what gets lost in this is, to your earlier point, Mac, we have a starting quarterback. He's played now a lot of football here. And he looks sharp. In fact, he physically looks sharp. He looks like he's lost some some of that weight. He looks fast. And Dave, when it all comes down to it, you said this back in December or January in one of our shows, and nothing has changed since then. We can't run him 20-plus times a game. And if we don't run Martinez 20-plus times a game, we're probably going to get the best version of him where we don't get some of those fumbles like he had against Rutgers in his last outing, and we probably don't have to be as worried and concerned about him getting injured either. It is possible. I know it's weird for, for Husker fans. We're so trained to have the quarterbacks getting injured, but it is possible to have a quarterback make it through a season uninjured. But it's probably not possible if we're running our QB the amount that we were running in the past.
0: Yep, that's absolutely. And it also makes a difference what his surrounding cast looks like, right? And Mm -hmm. so um, we don't want to draw any conclusions uh, from the open practice. And we can't really draw too many conclusions, probably from the spring game coming up here on Saturday. But, you know, you did get a chance to see the wide receiver core. I think Mm -hmm. there's some excitement maybe uh, uh, how that group could help uh, any quarterback look better. Um, You want to talk about that a little bit, Honk?
2: Sure. Let me just kind of give the setting too of what this practice was like. So I was sitting about the forty yard line on the west side, uh, kind of on the north forty, about nine rows up. I have pretty much running backs, wide receivers, defensive backs, tight ends, and some linebackers were kind of in front of me. And this in this practice here, there's a lot of people during it saying, "Oh, I wish you guys would periscope this and you know live live video this." I'm like, he's like, "What? Yeah, first off, what?" But second off, there's like 150 players on the field, and they're in you know six and seven different stations. There was so much action going on, so you just tried to kind of focus on one thing at a time. Having said that, just the location where I was sitting, I'll start on the offense. The th- the first thing that completely caught my attention was I wanted to look at the running backs, and the running backs, m- most of them were sitting out, right? I mean, Irvin was even sitting out. I'm like, oh come on, and there's Step, and Step has his you know, leg on a little roller thing. So he's, he's out for the spring, obviously. And then it was Morrison was out and Ramir Johnson. So it's like, well, who the heck are we even going to have out there? Well, there's Ronald Tompkins. He looked like he was in you know pretty good shape and ready to go. And it was good to see him make it through a practice. Scott, obviously, I really like him coming back and I think he looked pretty sharp, but the guy that it, it took two seconds two seconds. Like you just walk on the field and you look at number zero. Is it Jacquez? Yeah. You is look at Jacquez. I believe <laughs> that's how you say it. <laughs> I just always names I have to learn. Right. But it took no time to look at him and go, Oh, he looks different. He's huge. If step is supposed to be our big back, this guy's bigger. I mean, he is six two two twenty five listed at that, and I think both
1: numbers are lies. I think he's taller, and I think he's bigger. And did he look that big to you? I mean, because I've heard yeah. I've heard anyone between six two two twenty five to six two two forty five, almost two fifty. He looked big, and wow. he has some speed. And I think you know he's getting his
2: body right. In some cases, there's work he needs to do. I mean the guy that I went there with Don and I, we were sitting there and we kind of just tried to play a game in our minds where we're like, pretend you don't know anything about any of the players out there. I don't know any of their stories of, of what their recruiting ranking was. I don't know where they fall in the depth chart. This is just a visual test. I'm just looking at guys and like who looks good and, you know, kind of go from there. And the second I saw yian I'm like, oh, well that, whoever that guy is, whoever that mythical player at number zero is, he's, probably the starter or at least the backup that's just physically looking at him. Now that's before we ever get to any plays, we haven't seen him run the ball yet. It's just the, the eye test, right? There were some drills where we had some linebackers that were doing blitzes and they were doing some pass pros on him. One time he got turned around on that. I mean, you know, those moments where it's like, let's not quite give him the Doak Walker award yet. He has some work to do, but I thought just physically, he really, he impressed. And in this conference when we want big backs, He's going to match at least size wise what we're looking for. Well,
1: and I think the, the underrated thing about him as well, you know, everybody's really excited about Step for good reasons and everything like that. But Yan was here last summer. So he's been in the program for a while. It's not like he's new and doesn't understand the play, he has to, or the playbook and has to get caught up on how the offense works. He's actually been in it for a while and has dipped in it. So I'm like, I feel like in general, there's a guy you, regardless of what Step does, he's not participating in spring he, he probably will participate in fall but you know this is the this the whole maddening thing about getting so excited about transfers and juco's and all that crap it's like give me the guys that are on the team that are available <laughs> to take reps those yeah. are the guys I care about because everything else is chasing unicorns and rainbows man Yant's playing he's shown durability which is really in terms of running back position guys right now what I want out of a running back is a guy who can play every day when the whistle blows are you able to line up in the backfield because th- that's the most maddening part about this running back position since we've started it's depth
0: let's talk about that a little bit more because i've been thinking about that after i had heard that only what 2 of the 6 uh, scholarship running backs were you know carrying the ball during that open practice and it, they were different, right? Like Gabe mm. Irvin had been healthy, apparently, and then he gets nicked up and he misses that practice and maybe other practices we don't know exactly. Um, and, you know, I want to be clear here. I mean, like with Step, for example, it sounds like that's a serious injury. Maybe he had to have surgery. There's no question there. And, and it, with any of these things, you know, you want, want to understand that you want to have players feeling healthy and like they can, can practice. But it's made me think – about you know the whole idea of it, how you practice is how you play, right? And is there ever a concern in this day and age? And I don't think this is unique to Nebraska or a running back room. So I'm going to be clear on that too. You can apply this anywhere. That with medical science and with you know player safety and everything like that, we are very cautious to have a player practice even dinged up, essentially, right? That that if you're not a hundred percent, you better sit out. Um, but in reality, and this is especially true in, in the NFL, for example, is that after like the first couple of weeks of the season, you're never going to be a hundred percent healthy, right? You're always going to get dinged up a little bit and you have to learn how to like play well enough to 80% health to be able to to be the starter and to contribute to your team and and you still are a thousand yard back or a thousand yard receiver or whatever. Right. Um, But this day and age, it's like, Oh, I'm dinged up. I better sit it out. Well, when you only have 15 practices in the spring and would it be better if you're, at 80 or 90% and still getting some reps in there, even if it's non-contract contact drills or something like that than sitting out an entire practice and waiting to get healthy when you only get 15 cracks out of the spring, you have all summer to get healthy. I mean, I, I I'm just thinking through that. And like, you know, you, if, if you learn how to practice dinged
1: up, you're probably more likely to play well at 80% healthy as well. I think that's a great point. There's always the, the equation of spring ball, right? It's like, how much can we get done? You know, you know, how much beating can the body take and the running backs is a perfect, a perfect position group to look at. Right. Because I, we've all mentioned, you know, in the, in the videos that we've seen at practice and honky, you right are at a practice. So maybe you could speak on this a little bit, but. It looks as though the physicality of practice has ramped up, which we've all agreed we wanted. But the but the the downside of that is you're going to get more guys hurt. So either that's a good thing because it'll pay off come fall ball and these guys will be a little more battle tested, or it's a bad thing because now we don't have enough reps for these guys and to get really immersed in the in this offense so that we're effective come fall. I, I don't know, Dave. I, I don't know what, what how to parse that out, but it's concerning. Morrison, for example, Savion Morrison, he has to start getting some practice reps. I mean, this guy hasn't hardly, you know, COVID was standing. He wasn't ready to go last year anyway. Injured. Mm-hmm. He, I guess he did get COVID and he got no time. And now you, you've got these other guys coming in that aren't getting. I don't know what happened with Gaver. I mean, you know, if he's a little dinged up or what. you got to be careful with him in spring. But at the same time, if you're going to be more physical in spring, what better position than the running backs to find out, you know, are we going to green Jersey him? I mean, it just doesn't yeah, make
2: sense. You can't do it. And uh, you know, I said earlier about Yant, you know, I'm not ready to award the guy, the Doak Walker award, but I am ready to award him one of the top six spots at the position. And right now we have six scholarship running backs. And then when you throw Yant on that, it's really like we have seven guys. There's no way in the, in this day and age of the transfer portal, I'm not predicting who they are. But I just really have a hard time seeing seven scholarship running backs come fall. So if you think of whoever number seven and number six is out of that group, they're going to be looking at the situation going, well, there's five guys ahead of me. So to Dave's point, you better be practicing if you can. This isn't the pros where, you know, you've had so many reps over so many years of playing football that you're just, you know, you can sit out some practices and you're going to be fine. These guys need reps. These guys Need to get developed. And the only way to do that is to get out there and be playing. You know, I, I kind of compartmentalized the running backs a little bit like into body types, so to speak. And I really looked at Step and Yant as being similar. They were your big back guys. If I had to just kind of make and Mac, I'm curious on your thoughts here, if you think I'm way off or not. I, I kind of thought then of like Morrison and Ramir maybe kind of fitting the same kind of role, maybe a little more slasher speed guy. And then I kind of thought of Tompkins and Irvin a little bit in the same kind of size and the same mold. And then the guy that really doesn't fit any of them, the kind of the outlier is Scott. He's a little bit stockier built lower to the ground, a little more Corey Ross to Zigbo kind of combo of those guys. I really like Scott. I really do. Um, I don't see a burner out of any of them yet because I didn't get to see the guys who I think would be the burners. I, I mm-hmm. think Ramir would be that guy or could be that guy. I think that Sevion could be that guy, but to your point, Mac, I didn't get to see it yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm, again, I'm interested to see what happens on Saturday. Uh, spring isn't over yet. This is a practice that we're going to get to watch on, on Saturday in front of 40,000 people. And I'm interested to see, if some of those guys do step up, you know, put the
1: jerseys and, and the pads on and and play, because I want to see it. Body type, play style, whatever. I just want to see you out there. Be available to to showcase your talent, and that's the biggest concern mm-hmm. with the whole running back position. I mean, I don't know if I was predicting about running back position because I think you're right. I don't know. We 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 maintain all these scholarship guys, and and the first one I would I would say is probably jumping off the boat would be Ramirez. Just because you, I haven't heard one thing about Ramirez. In in this whole running back conversation, not one thing. I've heard this, mm-hmm. I've heard this walk on running back that we got, number zero, is kind of impressing. And I've heard about Sevillon being hurt, and I've heard about Step being hurt, and I've heard about you know Tompkins being available, or Scott even, but I've heard one thing about Ramir. I don't really care. <laughs> At this point, I just listen, last year we had Mills and then Wandell, and then and then it was just a wasteland. It was nothing. Mm-hmm. So I just want to see as many running backs, scholarship running backs. As many scholarship running backs compete on Saturday as possible. And, yep. and to me, that will be a good sign, period. If they're all healthy enough to roll out there, that would be a very good sign. But, if man, if we're rolling out there, we got two scholarship backs and a bunch of walk-ons, it's unsettling to say the least because I really do feel like yeah. as far as the offense goes next year, that is going to be the, uh, the thing that churns the butter.
2: And it's what we wanted to see out
1: of the spring. I mean, we yes. we went into spring saying we wanted to
2: see that role kind of get clarified, and you get clarified by playing. And so there's a great opportunity again on Saturday. Let's see it. I I haven't made up my mind as a as a fan, as a as a spectator, because I watched one practice of of who is and who isn't going to be playing. I know that we didn't get to see some guys play, and I think it's important that we see them this week. Now, Dave, you asked what about some of the other positions, and just to talk about the wide receivers. And this is a spot where, again, pretend you go in there. You don't know anybody's name. You don't know anybody's story. You don't know what they were rated, rated. Uh, you know, coming out of high school, what their star ranking was. I'll just flat out say they looked incredibly physically impressive to be right in front of us to see Omar. And Omar looks physically like Maurice Purify. He is a big-bodied receiver. He had his uh, jersey kind of tucked up under his. Uh, you know, shoulder pads showing off the abs. He looks impressive. He's got big arms. And Mac, you will love this. I mean, he ran crisp routes in every everything he did, but he specifically hand caught the passes. I mean, he extended those arms. Nothing ever touched the body. I did like that man. He caught. He, but you know what? Then you'd go and you watch Tory. By the way, he's six foot three, and he catches the ball. He is like the softest receiver I've ever seen. Like in terms of how he catches the ball. He, it's not like he, he's not going out and just yanking the ball out of the air the way that uh, <laughs> purify – the way that Manning would. He just has the softest hands; like the ball just like floats into his arms, and he's he's just smooth. And then if you're talking real smooth, Mac, who's the smoothest receiver of them all? Who's also six foot three? My man, Bets, Bets, so smooth. They're physically those are big dudes, but then there's there's White Lever over here, and the guy I'm sitting with, Don. He's like, who's that kid? And Don doesn't know the the roster the way we do. He sees a kid that's another impressive guy, what, 6'3", 6'4", whatever lever is. And if you recall during the performance index, I think he had the second best pro agility run on the Mm -hmm. team. And Frost made reference and said that would have been the best of all time at Nebraska had Deontay Williams not broke the record. So, you know, there's this lever kid over here, and then there's Levi Falcon. He's all of six two, and these guys that they're, they're serious size. And I said, "Oliver that,
1: Martin, man."
2: Well, I'm not even getting to that yet because I'm just talking about the size there, and I will tell that to somebody. In fact, I did. I told that to a colleague, and they're like, "Oh, I've heard it before." I'm like, "Oh my goodness, some of these realists, I've heard it before. You're, you sound as naive as you think optimists are." I'm not saying these. This is going to be the great these guys might drop every catch that's ever thrown to them. I'm not saying a thing about their performance yet. I'm just saying physically off the bus, it's impressive. And how much does that matter? I don't know, but I know that Dave and I went to the Ohio state game in 2016 and we were a top 10 team that just lost, you know, Wisconsin in, in overtime. And we were feeling pretty good going into Ohio state only after the game to hear from every media guy out there that, We lost the game before the game started because we didn't look like we could compete on the field in in the warmups, you know, could even compete with Ohio State. That's not going to be the problem right now. We need to execute and play well when we play Ohio State, but physically, we will look fine on the field against them. This team in year four of Frost, through recruiting, through transfers, through development, through all the war daddy up movement, they physically will look just fine. And then, Mac, to your point, Then on top of all those receivers that had brought the size, now you've got some speed from Oliver Martin. Um, Also, Will Nixon looks like he could almost play a running back. I mean, he looks like a nice little built guy. And someone that I wasn't expecting was Baron Miles Jr. looked exactly like Will Nixon. The amount of players that were in that wide receivers room was really impressive. It it is a deep unit. And now they need to play. And when we talk about size, I almost forget about those tight ends that were right next to him. You know, Vokalek walks by, and he's all of six six, and his arms, Mac, we saw that one photo when he was yeah. walking somebody. He does look like the Hulk, and he looks like this massive... Thor. Yeah, he looks like this massive dude until he's standing next to Austin Allen who towers over him by three inches, but doesn't... And, and Allen looks like he's filled out. I mean, he's been here for five years, but he doesn't, you know, he's not Thor the way that, that Vokalek is. They are different body builds, but they're big dudes. And something that I thought was interesting was watching Thomas Fedoni out there. Fedoni looks good. He also looks completely like a high school senior when he's next to those two. I'm not saying Fedoni can't play a role on next year's team. And through the, all the development that those other guys have had already, Fedoni could be a monster in a couple of years. But I actually think of this as a very good thing, is that two of our top recruits from this last year who, by the way, happened to be from the Omaha Metro, you know, and Frost has obviously lost his ability to recruit that. But uh, Prochaska and Fedoni, who come up from the west and the east side of the Metro, but uh, they're both top 100 uh, players. And they are both physically dominating at the high school level at the size that they are. Here's, you know, Prochaska at six foot nine. and Here's Fedoni at six foot five. And I think it's a good thing that they can come into this program and They don't look like the guys that have been here for three or four years. Prochaska, there's nothing wrong with him. That kid, give him three or four years, and he will be a monster, right? But right now, he's not in the top six at the tackle spot, and that's a good thing. And Fedoni may play a small role. He may play a big role next year. But he looks like a distant three, in my opinion, behind Bokelec and Allen because those guys have been here for a long time, and they're not bad players, and they've been developed. I'm ecstatic with what I saw there.
1: I think Becton's comments about Fedoni were interesting this this last week when he was saying how when he came in here he he wanted to be the best tight end on the roster and he had to humble him a little bit and you know just kind of let him know that's not what's going to happen here and mm-hmm. that speaks to our depth what you were saying and it speaks to the the development of those two guys in particular. You know, it's probably worth mentioning. And we'll probably hear about this more tomorrow. There's there has been some concern about Fedoni's health going into mm-hmm. in the season. <clears throat> normally that would be, this is the, this is the part that I think is so interesting or, or or maybe a good sign. is like, he was no doubt in anybody's mind, the, the pinnacle of this recruiting class. Yep. And the chances of him actually making a pretty big impact on the field this year. Aren't that big, you know, like, whereas in the past, like maybe it was Adrian Martinez and that guy had a humongous role. And then it was Juan Dell and he had a humongous role. Fedoni's role isn't going to be that big and I don't think it I don't think it really matters that he's not going to if he wasn't healthy let's say I don't think that really plays a role. In it. I think the I think what plays a role in him not making as big of impact is the fact that the tight ends that we have there are really good. Um Teddy at the at the offensive tackle, he comes in looking better than the other two top 100 tackles that we got and he still probably isn't going to scratch the, the well he's not going to scratch the starting lineup yeah. he looks really good though he's mean he's aggressive he's he's stockier than I thought he was going to be considering his height so you know we're stacking good things on top of good things we just need to start stacking wins on top of wins but man the the, the, the trajectory of the offense based off of, of the size height weight performance ratings whatever you're starting to hopefully see the dividends of that in terms of de- in terms of depth and ability.
0: You know, Honk, I don't know if you had a chance to actually watch the offensive line. Um, you, you mentioned there was 150 players and all these different groups and whatnot. But I imagine during the spring game, you're going to be paying attention to that guard mm-hmm. position. And um, we're hearing that, you know, uh, Matt Sickerman seems to be making a move there, but should be an interesting competition, right? Yeah. And,
2: you know, we said it on the last show a couple of weeks ago that, I think we had posted something on Twitter about, you know, what you know position group are you most interested in? Rob Zaska responded that you misspelled O-line every time other than once. And that was, I really wanted to look at the trenches during the practice, and it just didn't happen. I wasn't in that area to see it very well. So uh, I am very interested when it comes to the spring game to watch uh, the trenches, the O-line, the D-line. All I can say is just from a physical standpoint, you know, they walked in front of us. It's a lot of dudes again, and they all are starting to look the same way. It it takes me back to a a memory I have of the 90s offensive lines when we played Missouri one time. Larry Smith, their head coach at the time, said, you know, that their second and their third string guys walk off the bus and they all look the same. Again, I'm not comparing our line right now to the pipeline. I'm just, I'm simply comparing the fact that depth wise and size wise, uh, you know, that Prochaska kid that we talked about, Mac. He was a pretty good recruit. He was a pretty, Mm. he's a pretty big guy. He wasn't in the six names that Austin mentioned when he talked about the O-line or about the offensive tackle. And that's a good sign right now, I think. Um, Very much so. I will say when I look at the wide receiver group, as impressive as they were physically, the other group that was right next to them a lot of the time was the DBs. And this transitions us a bit into the defense, but the DBs, that's an impressive looking group too um all of us know about cam taylor britt all of us know about uh dismuke and williams i mean there wasn't i'm not going to tell you anything off of that practice that you don't already know anyways uh, other than they were just really good again but all of a sudden it's these dudes behind him it's like braxton clark is six three and he's huge miles farmer is six three six four he's huge there's javen Wright at six three six four and he's huge the matchups, even Nadib Joseph at six, two, you know, they were just big dudes and to see it at kind of the eye level of, of the ground level. um, Again, we're not going to be on the field with anybody, any of those 12 teams this year. We're not going to be on the field with any of them and physically lose the game in the warmups beforehand. These guys should be confident from a physical standpoint that they uh, they're going to match up. Well, I've, we've said it so many times that it just at nauseum, it's just going to be about execution and, and not making mistakes and everything. And I didn't see any bad snaps as an example. And that's, hey, that's a good sign, right? That, why didn't that make headlines?
1: <laughs> take, that's pretty take, big news, honestly.
2: Well, you know, and again, let's see, let's see it on Saturday, right? Let's see it in front of 40,000 people where there's even more pressure and the TVs are on you and the cameras are. And so, you know that's the nice thing about playing in a spring game at Nebraska too. It was a couple of years ago. Our spring game was right after the Northwestern one, and Northwestern, you know, they have a beautiful setting out there on the Lake Michigan. But one of the reasons they play it out there is because nobody shows up for it anyway. So why play it in Ryan Field? Um, you know, and it literally they panned away. They went BT and went away from Chicago, where there was 17 people watching Northwestern, and they went to. Lincoln, Nebraska, and we had ninety thousand people. The opportunity—it's not just a recruiting day, the, and it's not just for the fans. The opportunities for players to be tested in front of—if we only have forty thousand—and I say that only—that's forty thousand people. That a lot of guys that that need the reps are going to get a chance to play in front of, and they—they'll be shaking their legs and they'll be—they'll be nervous and all that, but they need that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, honk. I don't know if you saw much uh, special teams in open practice. I'm sure you'll be watching that closely on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to give you a chance to report back to Boomer here, especially on that that punter who. How do you pronounce Daniel? I thought it was Cerny, but I, I, is it a different pronunciation, Boomer?
3: Yeah, I'm under the impression it was Cerny, but uh, you never know with those Queensland accents or something like that. <laughs> Maybe <been>. that was <laughs> <a> it.
2: <little laughs> Mac, you'll appreciate this. We've gone to all those coaches clinics. Well, we missed the last two years now because of COVID. But we did get to go to practice under Frost in 2018. And we went to practice under Frost in 2019. And what I will at least say from this one open practice that we saw is that there was a different emphasis on special teams throughout. There was more drill work than I can recall at any time in any of the other ones that we've seen. Um, that's all I can make that comparison right now obviously Dawson was in the middle of it all they did a lot of drill work where I didn't always know what the intention of that drill was I, I just wish I knew more like were they trying to do something with the kicker here or were they trying to work on on the returners but they they did a drill where they had three kickers I think go through twice and they had six lines of 10 guys running down the field so get they and it was just fast it was get as many reps as you could it was literally like 60 different dudes that would have run down the field with their one rep and they're just trying to work as many guys through and then they did a kick thing where the kicker wasn't even kicking it it was going through the the tire you know machine that shoots the ball out and then ideally you'd have a guy catch it but if the ball didn't go to him then someone else handed him a ball and, and it looked like they were doing kind of a return thing where it was just Five guys on one side running down the field and five guys blocking for him, but they just went through a series of those things. They did a punt drill where they were trying to spot point it. It looked like they were kicking it like the forty yard line and trying to kick it and land at about the twenty. Um, for all the you know the talk of you know Smothers not throwing a great pass, well Cerny wasn't kicking these beautiful spirals at that point. And the guy that looked the best in that one particular drill was Priska um, really, you know, booting a couple of nice ones, real tight spiral and landing them right about the 20 every single time. They weren't trying to kick it into the end zone because there was drill work going into the end zone. So we never just had a chance to see. wasn't like there was this drill where, you know, hey, let's just see, you know, Cerny let it rip and see if he can kick an 80 yarder. it wasn't anything like that. They did one part where they're trying to kick it into the end zone. It looked like, and there was three different guys kicking. Culp wasn't one of them. He was out that day. Um, two of the kickers, I mean, the kickoffs look like they were kind of landing about the five or the 10, but the one that kicked it the deepest into it was, uh, chase Contreras, uh, the guy that was from uh, Iowa Western. And he was kicking it fairly consistently, like right down to the, the goal line, uh, out of that practice, Contreras is the one that I would say would probably be the guy that would be your best shot at, at having a deep kickoff guy. I've hesitated to say this because you know we've we've said we only want to talk about guys that are on the team right now that are in practice right now. If you're not here yet, you're you're dead to me. I'm not going to talk to you about next season, right? You know we need you here now, but I will. I'll give one little caveat to that. I do think that that Kellen Moore, I think his name is Moore, the kid from Ord, that's coming in here. At least I think he could maybe factor into the kickoff uh, group when he gets here. He's a walk-on. The guys had kicked 58-yard field goals. He has a big leg. If he came in here in June and all summer, all they said is you just need to be able to put a ball on the tee and kick it in the end zone. That's all you need to work on for the next three months and and focus on that. I think that there is still potential for that position to be won by someone that's not on the the team right now in spring. That's a Kellen Meyer. Is that the Meyer? One talking about? Yeah, OK. Did I say more? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Kellen Moore. That
0: sounds. Who's the quarterback the, from, from Boys, Boise? Boise. In the yeah, offensive okay. coordinator at in the Dallas Cowboys. So there you go. For one, yeah.
2: Well, maybe he can kick. I don't know. Hey, oh, maybe, he sure. might have some
3: eligibility left. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And the mascot of, uh, of Ord High School is
2: the Chanticleers. Oh, very good. All right, just yeah. My I have family all from that Valley County area. North Loop, North Loop, Scotia, the Boomer, <laughs> dude. Do, do, who, who's a North Loop, Scotia guy that played at Nebraska? Yeah, a fullback about to. twenty years ago. Mac Dave, twenty years ago. Schuster. Yeah, well, how about this? The biggest calves you've ever seen. Oh, Steve Krewald. Yes, Steve Krewal, <laughs> Yes, he did have the biggest calf I've ever
0: seen. That is a fair description. Thank you. Um, yeah.
1: he to hit popcorn days hard when he was that's there. That's not an Very unfair good. hint, by the way. No, that <laughs> guy had monster yeah. calves,
2: and good on the popcorn days, Boomer. That is that's ah that's a childhood. Every year we'd go over there get free popcorn at the at the volunteer fire department, and one of the run, longest running. uh Fairs, I think, in the in the state, if not ah, the longest. Yes,
0: of course. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're a
3: versatile podcast here. It's not just Husker Sports. It's all that's things. Right.
0: I mean, we're going to talk Husker. It is all things Nebraska, little bit. By God, we're going to talk Husker baseball here in a little bit. I was going to say the Chana Clears. That's uh, a college world series champion from just a few years ago.
2: Coastal uh, Carolina.
0: That is correct. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to take that a whole different discussion, uh, <laughs> a whole different direction, and we ended up talking about Ord football. So that's that's great. <laughs> All right, guys, anything else, uh, offense, defense, special teams that we want to talk about here before we kind of move on, Honk? The only other group that I really
2: had a decent vision of what was was happening was the linebackers. There's one guy I'm just going to throw a little hint out there. I I, I really want to watch this kid this Saturday, and that is Jackson Hanna. There Mm. was some pass rush drills that they were doing against running backs, and it was just – just sheer aggression, basically, you know, bull rush the guy and have the the running back pass block and, and uh, try not to let the guy get around him to like this garbage can that that was basically kind of the point of the drill. And Hannah, again, physically looks the part. He's a big, tall dude. And he was almost overly aggressive, like it, to the point of where it's like, that's awesome. Like you're seeing a guy that he, physicality is not going to be the kid's problem. Even if it means getting, finding ways to get a kid like that onto special teams. I didn't get to see any specific skills. He wasn't in coverage that I watched. I'm not trying to say that. I just, I really want to see him out there because we're constantly trying to kind of find who's some of those pass rushing guys. I think we've heard him up, some about pain and I think he could be, you know, one of those guys uh, you're going to like this Mac. Nick Henrik, mm-hmm. man, he's filled out. When I Mac and I have talked about this in the past when we go to practices, like when a guy fills out, it's in the neck, it's in the forearms, it's in the the calves, you know, like it's not just like, how do your biceps look? I mean, like Henrich looks like a big 10 linebacker now, mm-hmm. whereas the last couple of years he looked like a, you know, a big high school kid that was just trying to get a little bit bigger. He looks the part now. And, um, Kolarovich certainly. Yeah. I, I think at the inside linebacker spot, be- Honus pretty much sat out most of
1: the practice. And and with Honus is growing too. I mean, you, you never know. I mean, he's battled injuries his whole career here. You know, that inside linebacker role that mm. it's gonna it's gonna rotate a little bit. So it's good to hear some of those guys coming back. You know, honestly, if it wouldn't have been for COVID, it, it would be a bunch of new guys back there. Really, mm. I mean, I guess you'd you'd have a Reimer, but then everybody else would be kind of a. Kind of a newbie. Yeah, it's funny too. Same with the safeties, I guess. So we, we're fortunate in those in those two positions where you would have to be breaking in some youngsters. Mm-hmm. But to get to get the transfer, what how do you say his name? uh um, kolarevich Kolarevic. Yep. You know, he's he's probably like your Honus 2.0 kind yeah. of guy. You know, and, like he's a similar type build.
2: And here's the thing, Mac. One thing I, I should mention with Honus, he was dressed, he was in pads and everything, and he did a couple things. But I think it was one of those those deals, kind of like what they're doing with Stilly right now, too. There's an example of a guy that's played a lot of reps. He's had right. a lot of downs. Right. And you can sit – this is a different conversation from what we had about the running back spot exactly. where, you, where you are yep. trying to win a spot right now. Right. If you're one of those dudes that was sitting out, you need the reps. Honus isn't in that same position. And it was good to see Kolarevic and Reimers getting those reps. Right. Personally, I wasn't worried about Honus injury-wise or anything. I, I think he would have been just fine to go, but they're being smart with how they're right. distributing reps. We have a lot of dudes on this team it's, that's a, it's a full field of players at the end of the day some of the summarization. Probably some of the best things I saw were some of the one-on-one drills between receivers and DBs. Uh, you know each side was was winning some and I'll throw this little nugget with Omar. He took some of the individual drills that he did where he was really sticking those hands out Mac and just you know grabbing that ball in the air and he translated it into a couple of plays where there was a little bit of kind of seven on seven stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was one play in particular. The ball is a deep pass. Husker fans want to see deep balls thrown. And the ball kind of fluttered a bit in the air. And he went and high pointed it, grabbed it above you know, the defensive backs. And to the my earlier point of where it's just so hard to keep an eye on everything, I'm like, wow, what an unbelievable catch. And then I'm like, who threw that? <laughs> and I turned my head to look at the quarterback and I couldn't tell you which one threw it because there was four quarterbacks that were all kind of in a little huddle and moving around. So all I know is that I saw a receiver go up high point, make a play on the ball, and that's something we haven't always been seeing You know, the last few years. I think Mm -hmm. I tweeted that day, if we get this Omar, it changes the offense. Now, are we going to get that Omar? I'm not saying that. It's just if we get that Omar. I, I saw enough of him to say that it changes the offense if we get that guy, but we need that guy. That's on him. And
0: now... Around the Van Horn. All right, guys. It's one of my favorite segments of the show, Around the Van Horn, as we talk about all things Husker baseball and uh, things are looking up for the Huskers on the diamond. We are now uh, ranked, actually, um, in multiple polls, and there's even some better news out there. We can talk a little bit more from D1 Baseball, I think, in their projections. But, uh, Honky, let's start off with uh, a mailbag question.
2: Yeah, from a uh, coworker
0: Eric, and Boomer, I'm going to direct this one your way. You
2: haven't talked as much yet, so this will give you a good chance. Uh, co-worker Eric said, a conference-only baseball schedule undoubtedly skews the Huskers' position with the national rankings. What do you think is an appropriate ranking for the team after seeing them on the field? And just to give a little bit of preface, he asked this question prior to Nebraska now being ranked number 24, but I still think it's a, a pretty good question.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you and Mac were getting plenty of reps in for uh, spring ball here, so that was <laughs> good, so get you guys ready for the fall, but uh, no, I think you know the Big Ten, it's a challenge because, like you said, it's just conference only, so you can only compare it for what it is, but I think it's probably a fair ranking. Uh, somewhere in kind of that low 20s area right now. Um, we don't have the number of games some teams have played, but what we do have, we've looked pretty solid in all of them. Uh, you have to take that for what it's worth, and These are at least power five programs we're playing. So it's not like they're beating up a bunch of, uh, you know, small patsies. It wasn't padded with that. Granted, big 10 baseball is not always well regarded, but still you just have to take that team on its own merits and they look good. They've, you know, they play the games well, they can score runs, you know, there's pitching available, you know, when needed for, for games. And overall, I think it's a fair ranking and probably where they should be right now. Rewarded for the season they played so far.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, played more than just minnesota and so we should yeah. get some credit here right <laughs> and dave i mean if i'm not mistaken we haven't lost a single series yet and that's the most i think we won seven straight series and that's a record for nebraska baseball history we've never come out and won the first seven series like that so i mean they're definitely doing something right they're winning games 4-0 and they're winning games you know 12 to 10 i mean they're winning all different types but uh i mean you've got to like what you're seeing
0: yeah no absolutely and uh, I think it's a fair question. It's really an odd year, obviously, to compare ba- uh, baseball programs and, and team records. Uh, there's several uh, conferences, most notably the Big Ten, but also the MAC and, and others that are um, playing conference only. Fairfield, notoriously, is uh, number one in the RPI. I think they're in the MIAC or something like that, but they only played conference games, and they happen to be undefeated at like 23-0. and So they're number one in the RPI ahead of Arkansas, right? <laughs> um, so that's, that's a lesson learned. If you just don't lose, your RPI will look good regardless of who you play.
2: So, Dave, what is our
0: RPI now, or have you seen what kind of the latest yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. Uh, last time I checked, I think we were at 47. Okay. Um, we had, as I thought we got, might have got into the th- – thirties there on Friday night after beating Michigan state for the f- first time. Then we, with the loss, and then we had to, had to bounce back, but the RPI is literally um, useless um, for the big 10 in relation to the other uh, division one teams, because it's all a conference game. So I, I, mm-hmm. I guess it's useful to look at, at judging big 10 versus big 10, For example, Iowa, who has had Mm -hmm. a more difficult schedule than Nebraska so far, but is playing quite well right now, um, has a better RPI than Nebraska, right? Michigan is a little bit below us, but they've got a couple extra losses, obviously, and maybe they haven't played as as tough of a schedule as us. So uh, it might serve some sort of purpose trying to figure out who's the top teams in the Big Ten besides just a simple win-loss record if you don't feel like the schedule is balanced. But when you're trying to compare against other national programs, it really is a useless effort because it doesn't really mean anything.
3: And carrying on with the uh, weird mascot uh, discussion, uh, anyone know Fairfield's mascot? <laughs>
0: uh, I I want to say it's a, an, it's a tough one, Boomer. An odd dog of some sort, but I'm not for certain.
3: That's a good guess. Uh, we're looking for the Stags, the Fairfield the Stags. stags.
0: <laughs> so, yep. Yes, of course, of course.
1: Um I think that but, was Harry know, Potter's Patronus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I think back to uh, Eric's question there, I think, you know, I think you do have to step back and say like, well, okay, the big 10 teams haven't played anyone else, but um, there is talent evaluators out there and, you know, looking at uh, Indiana's pitching staff, for example, Michigan's Iowa, a, a lot of the scouts like the the Friday night starter for Iowa Um you look at Nebraska you have Cade Povich and also uh in, in the top 100 college players list right now mm-hmm. if you look go to D1 baseball so it tells you that there you know the perception is there's some talent on this team and in the league and if you're going to win the league that's probably going to earn you some some uh credits and that uh, results in a ranking um 19th in perfect game i believe 22nd in D1 24th in the coaches poll and um the D one projections for the field of 64 actually now has Nebraska hosting a regional site. So that would be uh, quite the, quite the deal.
2: You know, uh, I was listening to the radio guys last Friday uh, for the first game of the Michigan state one. And they had made reference to how many, to your point, Dave, about, you know, there's good players in this conference. They talked about the starting pitching and they're like, They can't remember another year where they've talked about so many opposing pitchers that could throw in that 95 and 96 range that, you know, this is, they've hit five, six, seven pitchers now that all could do that. And you might have gone an entire season and only seen one in the past. And now they're seeing it almost on a weekend basis. So, you know, the big 10 we've talked about it a lot of times and that we think now it's probably just a routine kind of four big league at, at the minimum anymore. But uh, the players, the the quality
0: really has improved. No, absolutely. Yeah, I was listening to the uh, D one podcast today, and they had four Big Ten teams in, and they they had a serious debate about Maryland and whether uh, they deserve um, uh, a bid. And I think they're the first four or five uh, teams out of of their projections. So mm-hmm. you know, there's a chance if Maryland would keep hot, and and Iowa, Michigan, Indiana, Nebraska, all kind of keep at this level that there could be a, a a five bit league out of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: And one, even Ohio state. I mean, I know they're mm -hmm, not, they're not necessarily, you know, on that first four out, but they've been up there this year too. And they, I know. They could turn it
0: around. They could. Yep. Mm -hmm. Definitely good enough.
2: And really you look at the remaining schedule that Nebraska has and who do we have on it? Well, Rutgers, who just took two of three from Michigan. Uh, Obviously we still have Indiana. We still have Ohio state. We have Michigan in the final series of the, of the year. So it's not like Nebraska's out of the woods right now and, and all the good talk. And there's so many good things that have happened up to this point. And it's great to see us ranked and it's great to see us, you know, potentially hosting a regional. We love all that, but the schedule coming up is really the meat of it.
0: No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're not out of the woods at all. Even though they now have a game and a half up on Indiana and Michigan. Uh, I believe we have uh, Rutgers five times and then we've got Indiana four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, throw Northwestern in there. Don't forget about those pesky Wildcats. Um, <laughs> and th- it's kind of weird here, from like from a hosting standpoint. It's actually only about two more weeks though before they make a decision on who is hosting. So yep. if we could get through Rutgers this weekend and then um, play well, I think it's the fourteen pod with Rutgers in, in Indiana after that. Um, there's a, a decent shot that we could potentially, if we're still in first place in the Big Ten, we might have that that spot in to get a, a host. And then even if we would somehow slip back to a two seed where you're still hosting. So that that should be really interesting to to, to watch.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I made fun of the Gophers a little bit earlier, but have you seen just how bad Minnesota, their record and how bad they've been? They yeah, yeah, I think they dropped like, their last 10
3: games or something like that. Yeah, they're, they're not good.
2: Four and 23, but then, like, I was even looking at some of the scores. They lost 18 to nothing to Iowa, and, oh, for the life of me, I don't know if it, maybe it was Ohio State, but somebody they just lost to 22 to one. I mean, they're, they're – Michigan, getting, I believe they lost. was yeah, that Indiana, I think, won, like, 23
3: to one, I think. I mean, Something they're, they're just getting
2: – they're getting housed. This isn't – it's not even close.
0: Yeah. And this was a team that – Minnesota was actually probably a top six or seven projection. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely the supporting Europe there in in Minneapolis. No doubt mm-hmm. about it. So, you know, obviously
2: there are a lot of good things that are going on right now. Dave, you know, do you have any kind of negatives that you're seeing so far from the from the team? What are some things that, that we need to improve on with the meat of the schedule coming up?
0: Yeah, yeah. If, if we're going to win some of these... Uh, bigger series coming up. I think we do need to clean up the fielding. Uh, We had talked earlier in the year about how um, strong our fielding percentage was. It was top five in the country. I don't know where it's at now any longer, but there's definitely been with, with the last two series, we were able to get, get through Penn state kind of, but with Michigan state, uh, a couple of fielding errors, a couple of mistakes here and there that cost us some runs and then uh, not also executing on the offensive side with some sack bunts that didn't work, that type of stuff. So I think there's plenty of coaching moments for Will Bolts and his team to to kind of tighten up the bolts. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of motivation, obviously. I'd also say that that from a pitching perspective, the bullpen has been just rock solid. I think they have 22 and a third straight shutout innings, which is amazing. Um, but if you're trying to compare Nebraska versus other – you know, top 25 programs, the kind of elite of, of college baseball, um, we probably need to, to improve our ERA, our earn run average with our starting lineup. Um, Kay Povich is, is solid, but maybe not great. Chance Rock is is off and on. If if the sinker's working, it it's it's good, mm. but that's not always there. And then Shea Shanneman has had some really good outings and is also a little bit shaky. So if we could just get, get our starting pitching to to keep the runs down a little bit, we wouldn't have to win 12 to 10 any longer to your point, Honk. It would be more like a 12 to 12 to 2, right? And so um, if we're gonna expect to actually advance in the tournament and win a regional, we were going to have to have some really good pitching performances to make that happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, had a chance to watch a little bit of national college baseball on ESPN. I think they had Vanderbilt playing Mississippi state or
0: someone, but right, Vanderbilt, man, they, they look good. They <laughs> you know, and two of it, the top pitchers in the country. Yep. And uh, they will be both highly, um, you know, high draft picks. So, yep. All right, well, guys, um, I did want to bring up basketball really quick. This is clearly the offseason on basketball. Um, but there's always news coming out of uh the Hoyberg the camp, right? And we did pick up an additional um recruit. It was actually a transfer from DePaul Keon Edwards. Um really interesting uh pickup here, six seven kind of a swing guy. And he yeah. has kind of
2: an interesting story, right, Dave? I mean, like he's not just your traditional recruit or transfer
0: yeah it's a really interesting once you hear his story i i completely agree that here's a guy who um uh expected his senior season of, of basketball at an academy in arizona i believe that was going to have have their basketball season canceled most likely and so he actually hurries up graduates midterm in december and then reclassifies to 2020 at that point he was a 2021 recruit a top 25 2021 recruit by some media outlets and so very highly regarded um transfers to 2020 joins DePaul plays there sparingly uh, but does get some big east experience played against Creighton Um, but then his coach gets fired and he's right back on the market and of course with the immediate transfer rule and not losing any eligibility He's a transfer, but he's actually essentially like a true freshman. Yeah,
2: it'd you know? be like
0: he'd be going to prom right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, so he fills out for the most part our roster for next season. I guess Thor officially, you know, said that he's not coming back, and that wasn't a huge surprise there. But really, our roster for the most part.
0: Is pretty filled now for the the twenty one twenty two team, right? It does seem like it's very close to complete. Yeah. we we're probably waiting on Stevenson to see if he's going to come come oh, down, yeah come back or not. But yeah, and then as far as like uh, further down the road twenty twenty
2: two, we already have a commit and someone that we probably maybe wouldn't have been able to get if it wasn't for COVID and more coaches would have had a chance to see him. But uh, uh, Blaze Kaida, I think his name is the center for. A juco that just won the the national juco championship so he's gone out there i mean he's a big-bodied guy and, and uh you know getting a lot of praise here and, and he'll be part of the 2022 class
0: yeah 610 guy i believe um had 27 points it was a blowout actually in the championship he actually ended i think fouled out but um he uh yeah big big contribution there and it's a it's a promise. Um, Also had her other Juca recruit um, make it to the semifinals and also had uh, a strong performance. So a lot of good things ahead, it looks like. All right, guys, uh, let's head into our parting shots. And uh, we'll start with hockey.
2: I'll start with a little crazy transfer news of the day. And this happened about a month ago, so it's nothing brand new. But as you can recall, uh, former uh, Husker player, uh, basketball player, Jariah Horn, he left Nebraska, as you recall, goes to Tulsa, and then he turned to a grad transfer and went to Colorado, played for Colorado last year, and you know played in the NCAA tournament for them, and now he's transferring back to Tulsa again. So in the crazy world of, of transfer portals and all that, there's a guy that went from Nebraska, Tulsa, Colorado, back to Tulsa. Next up, uh, volleyball. Uh, unfortunately, they, they got done in the, the final eight, and that was sad to see the end there. But uh, I do want to give a, a horns down to Texas for uh, their Twitter performance there. And, and uh, they're just a bunch of crapheads. I don't care. They, uh, horns down to you guys. They were making fun of our program, making fun of Lexi's son, who, who obviously started her career there. So, pretty pathetic. Grow up. I'm glad you lost to Kentucky, SEC. <laughs> um, and.
0: Tell me how you really feel. Grow up. I'm glad you lost.
2: (laughs) And to bring it back to some class, congratulations to Husker golfer Kate Smith. Uh, She shot an incredible 64, a minus eight, to tie her own record for the best individual round in school history and capture NU's first ever Big Ten women's golf individual title last Sunday. As a team, the Huskers earned a tie for second with number 19 Maryland and number 25 Michigan to post their best finish at a conference championship since earning runner-up honors in the Big Eight in
0: 1984. Well done, ladies. Go big red. Excellent, excellent. Good stuff, Hunk. Uh, let's go with Mac.
1: Well, I just want to give a shout out to uh university of texas for being super progressive and putting a female uterus in their stadium and (laughs) showing everybody (laughs) an educational (laughs) no i'm just kidding it's a terrible terrible design
2: mac i feel like i feel like this needs a little description like boomer you posted it Can, can you explain what we are talking about here
3: yeah it's uh texas is renovating their stadium the south stadium specifically and they're enclosing it and putting in all sorts of fancy new features, one of which is best way to describe as it, like a cutout essentially in the bleachers in the shape of the the Longhorn logo, and it's going to be like the tunnel for you know the players to run in and out of you know. really symbolic, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know fans will be sitting around it and above it, and that's kind of a new look. They just kind of released some pictures of that.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. nothing so nothing too weird about that, right? But anyway, you know, <laughs> on, on that note, though, hey. Uh, the Huskers are breaking ground this, uh, coming up on, on our new facilities. And I cannot wait for that to get started. It's sort of a sign of normalcy of getting, you know, through this whole pandemic thing and trying to get, and trying to just to kind of reestablish ourselves as a, as a premier program. And I don't think there's going to be any reproductive organs, uh, replicated in any part of our, (laughs) of our stadium. (laughs) At At least I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything yet.
2: And Mac, that starts the groundbreaking is this Friday for that. And Moose uh, today on the radio he did say that they hit their full 80 million goal that they needed to get started on that. Mm. And and he's even optimistic right now. I think that we might get some of the additional money that they're hoping for so that they can just do all the phases at once. I don't think they have all that yet, but he I think he made some reference that we might be able to just kind of do everything all, all at once and I'm sure cost-wise that's probably cheaper if you're Doing it, building it, versus trying to come back later and, and add on. But
1: well, I tell you not- what, though, with the COVID thing, man, building expenses have gone through the roof. So who knows? I mean, that everything has kind of shifted on that. But but back to that, boomer, is your dad planning on grilling? That's more more my concern. Is your dad planning <laughs> on when this thing gets opened up? Is he bringing down the barbecue pit and we're gonna get this thing going again? Because that was one of the highlights of the last stadium expansion. <laughs>
3: Yeah, we'll just have to see. I don't know what a, what his schedule is, but uh, okay, I'll check for you. All see. right,
0: so, yeah. all right, Boomer, get us out of here.
3: Okay, well, I uh, we went through quite a few possible uh, parting shots there, but uh I just kind of want to piggyback off uh Honkies and just kind of remind, you know, some key volleyball players like Lexi Sun and Lawrence Devernes that hey, you can always come back if you'd like, you know, that's still an option there. And I know you're I'm sure they're regular listeners to the show, so of course. And our word will certainly certainly help sway them back. And I just wanted to give one last uh, kind of shout out. Um there was a good article that uh, Steve Sippel wrote today about uh, Harry Toley, former Husker quarterback. Uh, who played in the 1951 season and claimed to fame for them was the first team to beat Oklahoma after, you know, that ridiculously long win streak they had. So they were able to pull off that, that victory. What was it? A 74 game conference unbeaten streak, I think for Oklahoma. So what year did
2: you say that would be like 59? yeah, Yeah.
3: 59. Yep. Yep. 1959 so it he he just passed away last week but it was a good little article if you get a chance to read it you know if you look at the game stats it wasn't the most exciting game played by a quarterback he completed one pass and one interception but the one pass was for a touchdown so that he he made it count and a good little story to read about so give condolences out to his family absolutely thanks boomer (laughs) Also, right,
1: I do, I'm sorry, Dave. I just want to mention one more thing before we go. Um, Paul Feinbahn sucks, and nobody <laughs> click on his articles. These guys are a joke, and uh, that's all I had. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there I were a lot do, of
3: pent-up emotions from not doing a show this last week. So I guess I so. I, I, a lot of I
0: do I intentionally don't even click on stuff. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll see a tweet, and someone will have – Finebaum or Pat Forty second, like I'm not even gonna because that's don't what they want it. me to do. So I'm just not gonna do it because it, it it generates the click and then they get paid for it or whatever. I'm yep. like, no, I'm not gonna read that ridiculous quote from Paul Feinbaum, which is ridiculous. So
1: yeah, don't take the bait on that, Redcasters. Just tune into us. We'll tell you what you need to know about the the team. Finebaum knows nothing about our fan base or about our program. I promise Absolutely you that. Nothing.
0: Talking head. They're the worst. <laughs> All right guys. Let's get at uh, let's uh, call that a go big red cast. The grid GBR. Ahora
2: Media Production.